phenomenal is that song. I, that, once you hear, I got more better than I ever gave, you, you can't unhear it. And besides being a really tasty groove, that's actually some really solid theology. Think about this for, with me for just a second. If you go back to the very beginning of this year, remember January of 2020, it was about 12 years ago. And, and if you'll remember, 
as a church, we decided, we, we prayed through together that we were gonna make this not only a leap year, but that it would be a reap year, that we would deliberately and intentionally sow into the God things, the good things of life, in order to reap a harvest above and beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. And I think if you play that out, I got more better than I ever gave is actually a great restatement of that spiritual law. I got more better than I ever gave. I don't know that any of us, when we laid that foundation in January, could have even imagined what March and April and May and who knows beyond, how far beyond would look like. But what an amazing promise for us to cling to and hang on to, to remember that God still has us. God still has this. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the fact that as we look beyond quarantine, as we start to think about reopening the state of Texas, the city of Austin and beyond, we're not praying that we go back to normal. We're not thinking about that. We believe in Jesus' name that normal is way, way overrated. So we're not thinking about business as usual. We're thinking about, we're praying toward, we're preparing for business as unusual. And I think during this season, we have all, all kind of been forced to deal with business as unusual. We've all, I think in a very real, real way, had to kind of come to grips with and deal with what does it look like to experience true work-life balance like this guy? Babe, they're gonna let us all work from home. Yeah, I know, it's like a dream come true, right? Oh, I'm gonna get to spend so much time with you and the kids. We're gonna save so much money. Lunch, parking, gas. Oh, babe, my commute. You wanna see my new commute to work? Ooh. At work. <laughs> Traffic is light this morning. Hey babe, can I set up my desk here? I'll just be a lot more productive if I have a designated work area. <laughs> babe, I am not procrastinating. I just know with the proper setup, I'm gonna be way more productive. Hey, hey, daddy's, daddy, hey it's daddy's turn. <laughs> Dude, this thing is awesome. Okay, daddy's gonna paint with you real quick and then I gotta go back to work. Scoot with you for a little bit and then I gotta go back to work. Oh, hey mom. No, I can talk for a bit, but then I gotta go back to work. Hey babe, can you keep the kids out of my work area? I just have a lot of emails to get through. Are those new shorts? No, I just, they look, they look good. So, uh, you home all afternoon or? Are you kidding me? Of course Carol Baskin did it. Can you get down? Babe, can you please turn Lauren Daigle down? I can't think. I know she's the voice of our generation. That's why I can't think. I get sucked in. Cynthia, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. No, you have to turn your mic on. Pre preferences? Go up to pre... You don't need magenta. I'm printing black and white. Cynthia, turn on your mic. <sighs> Boomers. When I think I'm and send. Whew. Actually got a lot done. You know, for all of the issues 
of work-life balance that that video spoofs, I think it does bring into a really stark relief the realities that we all have to deal with, that we all have to face. You know, prior to COVID-19, work-life balance was kind of like a, it was like that mosquito just kind of buzzing in the background. But the quarantine, I think, kind of crystallized this crisis that we all have to deal with, we all have to face. And that is, how do we, how do we combine our life and our work? What does that really and truly look like? And this is true for all of us. You may be in the marketplace, you may be a professional, you may be a student. We all have work to figure out. We all get to figure out life and work. And what's really fascinating to me, as you read through the Bible, God speaks to this issue over and over and over again. And as you read the Bible, you start to see a pattern emerging that is not work-life balance. Rather, it is work-life integration that we bring together, we synthesize, integrate, and, and make part of our lives our work. We make our work part of our lives. And we bring those things together. That is the true picture of Scripture, that we integrate our life, who we are, with our work, what we do. If you'll remember, this is a radical concept. Go back to what we said at the very beginning of this series. If you'll remember, we said that the foundation for this whole series that we're in, Business as Unusual, is found in Isaiah chapter 43. In Isaiah 43, 19, the Bible says this, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, God says. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. What an amazing promise. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just playing at this thing. There is purpose that is ordering every single step that I take. And so, as we continue this series, Business as Unusual, I want us to develop this, this concept, this, this picture of Scripture of work-life integration, bringing them together. Because again, the time that we have during this season is a rare, rare opportunity. It is a gift from God. And so to begin with, I, I want us to kind of continue where we were last week when we were talking about participating in the new. And we talked about developing a theology of new, an understanding of God and how he is always working and creating and recreating and redeeming. I also want us today, I want to, I want to lay out for you a theology of work. A theology of work. Now remember that theology just, theology just means this is our our study or our understanding of who God is and how he interacts with us. And I may not know exactly where you are personally and spiritually in this moment, but I do know this. 
believe that God is a God of work. From the very beginning, God has been working in and through the created order. In the beginning, God created. If you've ever created anything, you know that is hard work. God is a God who works. He works in our lives personally. He works in the world globally. He is always at work. So here's a, a working definition, if you will, of a theology of work. God is a God of work who chooses to collaborate with his people to accomplish his purposes. God is a God of work who chooses to collaborate, to co-labor with his people to accomplish his purposes. This is an amazing reality when you think about the fact that God who is all powerful, God who is all knowing, God who is everywhere in the world, in the universe, he chooses to collaborate with you and me. He chooses to collaborate with us. I think about, think about musicians who, who collaborate with each other, like the song that, that started this message. When, when you see what Roger Blevins did and he collaborated with musicians literally around the world, there were folks in Spain, folks in Nashville, folks in Austin, et cetera, et cetera, all collaborating around this one effort to make beautiful music, to make incredibly cool music. That's the picture of what God does in your life and in my life and through our lives. He is collaborating with us on a regular basis. Did you know that work is used in the Bible, the word work is used in the Bible over 500 times? More than 500 times the Bible talks about work. Over 100 times just in the letters of the apostle Paul himself. Paul talked over and over again about the work of the gospel, the work of moving the purposes of God forward in this world. In Colossians chapter three, God gives an incredible word to help us work out our theology of work, to help us understand it and to live it out and to play it out. It's in Colossians 3, 23 through 24. The Bible says, work willingly at what Whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So when you think about going to work, even if going to work is in your living room, it's not about your boss. It's not about just a paycheck. You and I work to serve Christ himself. This all of a sudden endows our work with divine direction, with God-given significance and importance, eternal implications. It's amazing that God chooses to allow our work to have that kind of meaning. I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine years ago, and we sat down over a cup of coffee, and he said, Mac, I just... I just don't know that what I'm doing at work matters, that I'm making a difference. And I said, well, kind of play that out a little bit for me. He said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a financial planner. And so I, I get up every day and I, I call clients. I, 
I go over their numbers. I, I look at investing their resources and, and taking care of them. But man, I just don't know that I'm making a difference. I said, well, okay, I understand that, but just watch this for a second. I said, first of all, let's think about what you do within your own household. You provide a living. Your wife and your children never have to think about their next meal or whether or not there's going to be a roof over their head. And that is not insignificant. As a matter of fact, that, that's got real spiritual meat behind it. God, God says that matters. That, that's, that's the job of a husband. That's the job of the head of the household is to provide. So you're, you're doing that. Second thing that you're doing, I want you to think about your clients are entrusting their hard-earned dollars to you so that they can, I don't know, maybe retire or travel or pay for college or do whatever it is. So you're providing a level of trust and confidence and security for your clients that they don't want to do themselves. So in, in a very real way, they've entrusted you with the spiritual significance of, of stewarding their resources. I said, that's just off the top of my head. I can come up with two really massive spiritual significances to what you do every single day. And, and you could just kind of see this weight come off of his shoulders. He was like, wow, I never really thought about it. Now, here's the thing about it. That meaning and that significance was there the whole time. He just hadn't realized it yet. He just hadn't attached the spiritual significance to his daily doings. And when you begin to do that, it's not like you have to add a lot of stuff to your to-do list. You just get to intentionalize more deliberately what you're already doing. But we have to be very careful as well. But because the fact of the matter is work can become the tail that wags the dog. It can become a god. It can become an idol to us. James warns us against this. In James chapter 4, look at what the Bible says. It says, now look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. Now, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Now, he's not saying don't plan. That, that's, that's not a biblical concept. As a matter of fact, this verse, I think, flows beautifully out of what we read last week, Proverbs chapter three. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will direct your path. For there to be a path, there has to be a plan. So planning is good. Preparing is godly. But it's not about my plans. It's not about what I plan to do when I get to this town or that town or when I traveled here and there. You don't know what tomorrow holds. The Bible said 2,000 years ago. I can't imagine a more appropriate, relevant, realistic view of life in 2020. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We're in the middle of a great unknown. But if it is the Lord's will, we will carry on business. We will work. We will do this and do that. It's all about our perspective. It's all about shifting our perspective and looking at things the way God looks at things. It's that surrendering of our will. 
Now, <clears throat> unless I miss my guess, somebody watching this right now is, is having a little bit of, of a hard time with, there's, there's some pushback at this point. Somebody, probably a guy, it's possible that it's a woman, but probably a guy is thinking, hey, Mac, what do you mean, man? I work hard for my money. I get it. And, and God bless you if you do. That's great. But never forget this, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. But remember the Lord your God. Remember God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. So if you're earning, that's great. But remember who gave you the ability to earn. Who gave you the mind that you have to think things through, to plan to execute a strategy. Remember the Lord, your God. Here's what I think the, the theology of work looks like as we play it out. I think a lot of times we think, I wanna know God's will. Should I take this job? Should I make this move? Should I move to this town? All significant questions. But what the Bible tells us is that why and how we work are more significant than what and where we work. Why and how are more important than what and where. We think about the what. What are we gonna do? What am I gonna do for a living? What do you wanna be when you grow up? Where am I gonna do it? Where am I gonna live? All obviously very important things. But more significant is why you work. We work to the glory of God. We work to use the gifts and the talents and the resources that he has entrusted to us. We work to glorify him. That's why. How do we work? We work hard. If you're a follower of Christ, you should be setting the pace for work ethic in your office, on your team, in your environment. Why and how? We work, why? To the glory of God. How? We work hard. If we settle the why and the how, the what and the where will take care of themselves. If we settle why and how, the what and the where will take care of themselves. So we have to remember everything that we do is an expression of what we actually believe. Here's my challenge to you this week. I wanna challenge you if you are in elementary school or older, in elementary school or older, write out a business plan that integrates your life and your work. Write out a business plan that, that integrates, that assimilates and incorporates your life, who you are, and your work, what you do. Last week, we talked about writing out a purpose statement your work, my work should be an expression of our purpose. What we do, how we go about doing that. A couple of things that I want to just give you to guide your work as you write out a, a business plan for your life. Because we all are going to conduct business in one way, shape, or form. We all have to, to figure this work thing out. Number one. Publish your priorities. Publish your priorities. What I mean by publish is write them down. 
Don't just leave them out there in the ether. Yeah, I think my God's important. My family's important. People, I, no, no, no. Write them down. And if I can, let me just kind of give you some guidelines. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will be added to you. Everything else will take care of itself if you will focus on God. So priority number one is God. Priority number two, health. Your personal health. Even before you get to other people, you, you have to cultivate spiritual health, time with God. You have to cultivate emotional health, which obviously other people are a part of. Physical health, taking care of the body that God has given you. So health is a big deal. The third priority is people. It's people. You know, the people in our lives are more significant than our performance in our lives. The people in our lives are more significant than our performance. And so we have, to, we have to remember that priority as we're writing out this business plan, as we're thinking about working out, work-life integration. It's people. People includes your, your immediate family, your, your closest friends. People includes church. Man, I, I'm so blown away by what God has shown me of his personality and his character and his grace just in the last few weeks through you, through the church. I, I don't know if you know this, but through the church, more than 4,000 meals have continued to be served through mobile loaves and fishes. Yay, God, 4,000 meals. Every truck run, every meal that is scheduled has gone out because of you, the church, because of the priority that you have placed on people, people within and people outside the church. That's a God thing. We, we celebrate that. And, and I just kind of step back and go, wow, look at what, I mean, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of the, the panic that the world seems to be in, you have continued to focus on people as an expression of your priority in God. That's an amazing thing. So there's, there's God, there's health, there's people, there's work. Work is a big priority. For most of us, work chews up more of our time than just about anything else. But if you keep God, health, and people in place, work becomes a joy and not just a job. Work becomes now a, a calling and not just a career. It is a vocation and not just an occupation. It, it becomes an expression of who God has created you to be. That's, that's when you start to get up a little bit earlier and that's when you start to go, all right, let's, let's do this thing. So our priorities are God, health, people, work. But don't forget R&R, rest and recreation. You know, last week we talked, about, we talked about the significance spiritually of Sabbath. And most of the time we think of Sabbath as a, an adjective, like the Sabbath day. Sunday is the Sabbath for us. Well, that's true. But never forget that the original intent of Sabbath was a verb. That means that you, on Sunday, you Sabbath. You, you rest intentionally and deliberately. 
recreation, man. We, we need recreation in our lives. We need to do things to have fun. I've seen so many people who have been going to parks and taking walks and playing in streams during this quarantine, times that they never would have done otherwise. That, that recreation is good for the soul. That needs to be a priority in our lives. So, so publish your priorities. But number two, program your priorities. Program your priorities. That, that means schedule out your week. Just like you budget your finances, hopefully, program your priorities. Schedule them throughout the week. One of the things that we've done in our household throughout this quarantine is, man, church has, has been just, it's been phenomenal. And it has been pedal to the metal, just nonstop. And unless there has been some kind of a, a crisis or an emergency that we needed to attend to, Julie and I and, and our daughter Emily, we've just kind of said at 5.30, poof, no church. We're, we're just gonna hang out on the porch. We're gonna hang out on the porch, maybe listen to, to a live stream of Mingo Fish Trap and Roger Blevins Jr. or, or some music and just, just hang out, pour a Topo Chico and enjoy the evening. But we've scheduled that. We've, we've programmed that into our days. And it has made all the difference in the world. You know, all of this talk about work and life, I think begs a question. Do we have to work for God to love us? Do, do we have to work to earn God's affection or his favor? It's a good question. And literally, by the grace of God, the answer is a resounding no. We don't work to earn God's favor. We work because of God's amazing grace. See, grace means that it's a gift. We, we don't work so that we can be saved. There's nothing you can do to earn forgiveness of your sins. Nothing I could have done. It's a gift. Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. It says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Salvation, the forgiveness of our sins is just a gift of grace. See, that's the thing that separates the Christian faith from every other world religion or view. See, every other religious perspective, every other belief system is man's attempt to get to God. The Christian faith says that God came to man. Every other religion is spelled D-O. What do you do to get to God? The Christian faith is spelled D-O-N-E. It is what Christ has done for you because he loves you as a gift. When you think about a theology of work, all theology takes us to the cross. It always goes to and through the cross where Jesus died and in his resurrection has the promise of new life, new life for anyone who would take hold of it. 
I don't know where you are today, but in this moment, out of this conversation about work, as a church, we wanna give you the opportunity to take hold of that life, the life that is truly life. If you've never accepted the amazing grace, the total forgiveness that God offers in Christ, we invite you to do that right now. Just, to, just I'm gonna ask right now, if you would just bow your head, everyone. If you are already following Christ, I'm gonna ask you to pray for those who are watching who are not. And in this moment, if you have never received Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer. Just silently talk to God from your heart to His and say something like this in your own words. Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you did the work on and through the cross to accomplish the forgiveness of my sins. And in this moment, I accept this grace, this gift. And Jesus, in response, I give you my life. In response, I will follow you with every part of my life. I pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Hey, if, if that was your prayer, this is the greatest moment of your life. And as a church, we wanna help with what's next. However you may be dialed in watching this message, watching this service, there's a place for you to connect. There's a connect card on our app. There's a link that you can hit, whether you're on Facebook Live or Instagram or however you're doing it. And we would just ask if you would just connect. Help us to come alongside and help you with what's next. That's what this is all about. It's a relationship. And as the family of faith, as the church, we wanna help. As we conclude another week coming out of this quarantine, please know that Julie and I love you. We are praying for you. We are praying with you. And we believe that God has got nothing but the best in mind and in heart for you. Have a great week and God bless you.